Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our meditation this morning from Mark's Gospel, chapter 8. Listen again to verse 29. And Jesus asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. So far, our text. Let's talk about identity, because identity is important. It, it really is. At any moment, you might need to prove who you are. Your passport will get you through airport security and Canadian customs. Your thumb or facial features will open up your phone or your computer. Your social security number, well, that's vital for tax or financial documents. And your DNA will help you find your roots. And even the way you smell or the sound of your voice might be the difference between your dog welcoming you with a tail wag or a growl when you walk through the door. Identity matters, doesn't it? And Jesus certainly thought so. It was with his own identity in mind that he posed the following question to his disciples one day in Caesarea uh, Philippi. Jesus asked them, Who do men say that I am? Shrewd move, Jesus. Great question. Jesus knows that when it comes to determining someone's identity, we often depend upon the opinions of others. For example, who is Tim Ludwig? Who's that guy? Anyway, might depend upon who you talk to. Someone might say, well, I knew Tim back in high school. He ran track, he was on the student council, and his girlfriend dumped him the day after prom. <laughs> Someone else might say, well, well, I knew Tim in college. He was class president, sang in the choir, dated some girl from Minnesota named Mary Ellen, and decorated the trees with every fire extinguisher on campus the night before graduation. And there might just be someone who says, Tim Ludwig, well, he's been my pastor for 34 years. Do those opinions tell you who Tim Ludwig is? Well, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but they are a good start. Well, those disciples in our text would answer Jesus in much the same way. Who do people say you are? Well, Jesus, they said, some folks think you're John the Baptist or Elijah. Some folks think you're one of the other prophets raised from the dead. You know, just three opinions among a gazillion floating around those days. Lots of folks wanted to know exactly who Jesus really was. And then Jesus gets personal in our text, doesn't he? Okay, guys, forget about what other people think. What I really want to know is this. What about you? Who do you say I am? And who pipes up? Well, Peter does. Of course, uh, it's Peter. Peter's going to confess exactly who he thinks and believes that Jesus is. But Pete will not rely upon the opinion of others to pinpoint Christ's true identity. No, Peter will base his confession on what he's seen with his own eyes and heard with his own ears. 
And Peter has seen some stuff, hasn't he? He has. He saw Jesus perform exorcisms. Jesus performed a lot of exorcisms. He took a sip from the 155 gallons of water that Jesus transformed into a vineyard. He watched whole towns line up their leprous and their blind and their deaf and their crippled neighbors, and Jesus cured every single one of them. Peter was one of thousands who sampled a fish sandwich made from a little boy's lunch, and man, was that ever tasty. And get this, don't forget this, Peter was standing by the bedside of a 12-year-old girl who had undeniably died. The mourners were gathered outside the house when Jesus took that little girl's hand, spoke two words, and the child lived again. Peter saw that with his own eyes, too. Which is why in our text, Peter blurts out his confession without really thinking about it, because to him, it's a no-brainer. Jesus, you are the Christ. A word that means what? Anointed one, Messiah, Savior, the long-awaited King of kings. And what Peter really is saying is this, I believe you, Jesus, that before Abraham was, you are. I believe you, Jesus, and seeing you is no different than seeing the Father who sent you, Jesus. You're God in human flesh. Jesus, that's who you are. All right, pause for a moment. I'm going to take a little side excursion, a little bit of food for thought. You know, isn't it interesting that Jesus' enemies, they never refute his miracle? They don't. They stammer that, oh, Christ's power must come from Beelzebub, you know, must come from Satan, but they never deny the miracles themselves, ever. Why is that? Too many witnesses. Too many witnesses. Yeah, hey, my cousin Bob, you know Bob, used to be a leper. Then Jesus got hold of him. You should see his skin now, soft as a baby's elbow. And remember Jake? Jake lives over on Elm Street. Everybody knows he was born blind, but Jesus took care of that. He's working construction now. Too many witnesses knew of Christ's power and his identity. Or what about this? You know, sometimes I wonder about this. How in the world did those 11 thick-headed, bumbling disciples ever start a church? I know how hard it is to start a church. How did they ever start a church in Jerusalem when their main message was all about this crucified dead guy who came back to life? I mean, come on. That's right up there with Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and alien spaceships hiding behind the comet Hale-Bopp. That's crazy talk. Those men should have never gained a following Except that the scriptures reveal that the resurrected Jesus appeared to what? More than 500 people in and around the city of Jerusalem. More eyewitnesses. And once again, too many witnesses experienced Christ's power. Too many know 
that he is the son of God, stronger than sin, stronger than death. And so the early church takes off. All right, back to our text. Because the next main point is this. When you know someone's true identity, there will be consequences. For example, you husbands out there, okay, while you were dating your wife-to-be, remember those days? The day came when her identity changed. The moment you knew that she was the one, okay? When you knew that, that you couldn't live another day without her, her identity changed. And the consequences? A diamond, a wedding, you sold your Jeep and replaced it with a minivan, and you didn't care. You know, you said, bring it on, because of course, you're, you were happier than you ever could imagine one man could be. When you know someone's identity, there are consequences, and there certainly were consequences for Jesus, because after Peter makes his confession, what does Jesus say to Peter? The Son of Man must suffer many things and be killed, and after three days rise again. And then Jesus says that not only will his identity bring trouble upon himself, it will also bring trouble for Peter and anyone who confesses Jesus as Lord. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. How about that? Knowing Christ's identity comes with a cross that you will carry. Augusta Rodin was a French sculptor who lived in the late 1800s, most famous for his sculpture, The Thinker. Okay, remember that one? All right, that was Rodin. And here's a true story. One day, Rodin saw a huge carved crucifix standing beside a road. And he loved that stone cross so much that he purchased it and arranged to have it transported to his home. He's going to put it in his house. But the cross was too big for the building. So what did Rodin do? He knocked down all the walls, raised the roof, and rebuilt his home around the cross. Now you folks know and you believe the true identity of Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the eyes of those in the scriptures who beheld Christ's miracles and saw his death and resurrection, they have become your eyes too, haven't they? And like Peter, you have made your own confession as to Christ's identity. You've done this many times. First at your baptism. Then on your confirmation day, and every single time over all these years that you've planted yourself in the pew on a Sunday morning in God's house. And knowing Christ's identity has resulted in consequences for you. Most of them wonderful. The evaporation of your sins. A Christ-centered worldview day-by-day priorities that make God smile, comfort and strength for life's difficult moments and a place in eternity that no one, and I mean no one, can ever take away. But knowing who Jesus is 
also comes with a cross, doesn't it? Being a Christian in today's pagan culture is becoming increasingly more and more difficult. And, and you might lose a wall or two, a job, a friendship, reputation, division within your own family over Jesus, over Christianity, over what you believe. And when it happens, don't be surprised because Jesus said it would be like this. But you know who Jesus is. Trust him. He died for you. He rose for you. He's got your back every single day until you run out of days. And even should all the walls and the roof in your life come crashing uh, down, keep his cross in the center of your living room. Keep it in the center of your heart, the center of your life. Like Peter, you know who Jesus is, your Savior, your friend, your God, and that will never change. Amen. And the peace in Christ that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.